The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, quit searching for the Degaba system and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 227 with guest Dax Pandy, recorded live Thursday, March 22nd, 2007. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net. Training developers to work smarter, and now bring the ASP.NET Masterclass on-site to your development team. Online at www.franklins.net. And by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. Support is also provided by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET Web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who says schizophrenia beats being alone... Carl Franklin. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin, and I'm here with Richard Campbell. Hi, Richard. Yes, sir. Here I am, and here we are again. Hey, did you know what tomorrow? You know what tomorrow is, Richard? What's tomorrow? Tomorrow is the debut of Run As Radio. Oh, yes, of course. Wait, who's the host for that? I, I, you are. Ah, oh, no wonder I know about it. So, um, you know, if you've never heard Richard Campbell uh, host a show, you're in for a real treat because he actually does know a uh, a few things about Microsoft IT, and uh, that's what this show is all about, Run As Radio. And you can check it out at runasradio.com. It's a, you can consider it a spinoff of .NET Rocks. Well, which is really what it is. You just focused on a different audience. And who's your co-host, Richard? My co-host is none other than Greg Hughes, who's the IT security director for Carillion, where... A certain other host works. Yeah, so it's one big happy family of, of uh, intense knowledge. <laughs> and our first guest for the first show, of course, Pat Hines. Pat Hines. And we dug into storage technologies. And you know, the show went a direction I didn't expect, but thought was really cool. So I hope people will listen to it and enjoy it. I certainly enjoyed editing it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good show. Uh, a couple of emails. These are good emails. Um, people really responded to Dan Appleman's show. Yes. So let's uh, let me read this one here from uh, Thomas Betts. He says, "Dear Colin Richard, the show with Dan Appleman was great. I almost wrote in to say that after the first ten minutes, you had me at search.net. 
I listened to the first half on the drive into work, and immediately when I sat down at my desk, I sent a link to all my coworkers. I feel it's my responsibility to force useful information upon them, since despite my repeated recommendations, no one else listens to the show. I'm the only one with a long commute, so... Search.net is just another example of one of the really simple tools out there that the people who need it the most have probably never heard of. As you guys have mentioned several times recently, it's impossible to know everything about .NET, so anything that helps filter through the quagmire goes to the top of my list of needed utilities. Great, and he goes on to say a few more things, uh, but just just amazing uh, tool. And, you know, as I said in that interview... Uh, it's a great tool because it has Dan's intelligence baked into it. You yeah, know, what that's I mean? the power of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's, and it's created the best possible way. It was Dan who needed the tool. He wanted to filter out only it filtered down to just the most important sites, sites he valued for information about .NET. Yeah, that's really what gave it its potential. That's what it's all about. Thanks a lot, Thomas. Ah, one for me, and also about Dan's show. But he here, uh, Tim Murphy's talking about Into the Wayback Machine. Ah, yes. Richard, all right, now I'm starting to feel old since I knew everything that you and Dan were talking about. My father started in computers in the late 60s with the Air Force at Strategic Air Command in Omaha. Back then, they cooked hot dogs by shoving them into microwave transmitters and flipping it on and off for a second. <laughs> <laughs> a second. <laughs> uh, well, you know, they discovered power. the whole microwave thing from these guys walking in front of the uh, microwave transmitters and their chocolate bars melting in their pockets. Uh-huh. The first game I ever... And their spleens were melting, too, unfortunately. Minor details. (laughs) The first game I ever played was a Lunar Lander on a teletype machine fed by paper tape. Top that, Game Boy. Well, I bet you can. (laughs) What can you do? (laughs) Mine was Star Trek on a uh, a Deck Rider 3 with a 110-baud acoustic coupler modem. Hmm. So when I was young, he bought an Apple II motherboard off of a friend, took a car drawn out of a deck, and built a circuit to step down the voltage. I bet you that was actually an Apple I if it was just a board. Hmm. He then built a board that would allow us to have both upper and lower case at the flip of a switch. He then went out and bought hmm. a kit for a 128K card and created an Ebsidic to ASCII converter for the printer we got at a show. So they had an Ebsidic printer. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and you're not going to find that every day. No. To follow in his footsteps, I took both electronics and programming, so my first real program was a resistor color code test in AppleSoft Basic. (laughs) I was learning VI before I was in high school. Does that qualify me for my geek certificate? Dude, if you have to ask, come on. (laughs) Thanks for the great trip with Mr. Peabody in the Wayback Machine, which is a bigger sign that you're an old guy than anything else. Right. Because who knows that cartoon except somebody from the early early days <laughs> That's right. sincerely tim murphy G tennessee <laughs> only you could pull the voice out for that too let's go see mr whoopee <laughs> <laughs> all right and, and of course the announcements uh mix is sold out mix is sold out so if you go to visit mix.com you can't go Congratulations, wow. you took too long. <laughs> yeah, okay. And Dev Teaches not sold out, I don't believe. Not sold out yet. That's May 14th to 18th in Montreal, Quebec. 
Go yep. to devteach.com. And we'll be there. We'll be doing a .NET Rocks there. We will be there. And I believe now Ted and Oranini have uh, said yes to be on the ORM SmackDown panel. Yes, so it's going to happen. Yeah. And, of course, TechEd. We're going to be all over TechEd this year, aren't we? Oh, we certainly are. I'm still talking to the TechEd folks about everything we're going to do, but believe me, we are going to be busy boys. Are we going to do uh, Speaker Idol? It looks like it. Haven't got final commitment yet, but they they want to do it. They love the idea. And Same the 60, for sixty four bit question. Sixty four bit question, the quiz show where we uh, pick suckers uh, contestants out of the audience and <laughs> ask them uh, trivia questions about .NET, and they win all sorts of great prizes. And uh, of course, we'll be doing a, a .NET Rock session or two down there. Looks like we'll probably do a panel down there as well, but I don't know. It'll be the ORM panel. I'll have to figure that out. But we will be there, and we will be doing some good stuff. So, so that's, that's June fourth uh, to eighth. And if you haven't bought tickets for TechEd, you better hurry because it's going to sell out soon too. Right. Also, if you're a a very cool young hip happening .NET developer and you want to live and work in New York City rent free in and uh, get a New York City salary for a year, uh, Greg Brill from Infusion wants to talk to you. You can read the details at shrinkster.com slash kh6. Also, if you're a hotshot ASP.NET guru and you want to make a change uh, in your career, there's a great gig open in Washington, D.C., um, and the URL for that is shrinkster.com slash mmj for those details. And for that one, you've got to be uh, near uh, or willing to be relocated to Washington, D.C. Right. How about a couple of code camps? Code camps, yes, the day of .NET. Yes, day of .NET in Ann Arbor, and that's May 5th, and you can see that at shrinkster.com slash C-U-K. And they're pulling in from the Great Lakes .NET user group in Southfield, Michigan, Ann Arbor, of course, in Michigan, and the Northwest Ohio .NET users group. That's in Toledo. And uh, Omar from the Dallas .NET users group has uh, asked us to plug the Dallas Code Camp. He says, hey, guys, I realize this is short notice, but I'd appreciate if you could plug the Dallas Code Camp that we will have on April 21st. And the uh, URL for that is shrinkster.com slash NSD or dallascodecamp.com. Right. Well, Richard, this is an exciting show because our guest is none other than Dax, Dax Pandy, the guy behind all the great graphics at Pwop Productions. And not and just Pwop Productions, but uh, Ted Neward, Michelle LaRue Bustamante, Brian Noyes. That's right. iDesign, done training. He's done a, a lot of the RD's websites. But anyway, let me give him a formal introduction here. Dax Pandy is the CEO of Nucation Studios, an award-winning UX, that's user experience studio. He's also a very recent MVP and one of the first people to say that WPF will rock the world. He and his company have been helping clients prepare for and adopt Windows Presentation Foundation for their applications since 2005. Dax is committed to bridging the gap between developers and designers in the new world of user experience. He spends his time helping UX-impaired developers adopt WPF, writing about WPF, and trying to get a life. <laughs> Welcome, Dax. Hey, guys. It's good to finally have you on the show, Dax. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really happy to be here. So before we get into your realm of knowledge, I just want to uh, tell everybody the, how we met. Um, I got an email that ordinarily would have hit the spam bucket from this guy, Dax, um, back when Rory, I think, was the co-host. And uh, you oh, basically yeah. said, 
hey, I, I listen to the show. I'm a developer and I'm a graphics guy. I live over in India and I'd like to uh, just make you an offer. Uh, your graphics uh, leave much to be desired, to say the least, although you didn't say it like that. But you said, how about this? <laughs> I will do redo your websites and all of that uh, for free as long as I can put my, you know, Nucation, uh, you know, logo at the bottom and all that kind of stuff. And I just do uh-huh. this because I love you guys and I love your show and, you know, it'd be good publicity for me. So, so I gave him a shot. I said, sure. And within an hour or so, he had sent me a JPEG of a mock-up that looked just absolutely awesome. And uh, I said, what have I got to lose? You know, he know he listens to the show. He knows ASP.NET. Uh, it's, he's going to deliver an ASP.NET site with good graphics. Go for it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been we've been happy happily ever together ever since. <laughs> and merrily skinning <laughs> DOS blog sites everywhere. That's right. You skinned my blog. <laughs> yeah. Skinned everybody's blog. Oh yeah. But we met back in what, two thousand four, I think. I think what? I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So I just got to say, you know, a guy like you is, uh, you know, hard to find. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you say so. Well, it's true. <laughs> well, you know, the funny part is you don't realize how ugly your website is until someone shows you how good it can look. Yeah. Oh, I remember someone uh, uh, commented on your blog, Carl, that it, the previous website used to look like some uh, eighth grader built it. Yeah, that's right. thanks very nice (laughs) (laughs) well yeah it's true the difference is you know the the shadows and the shading and the 3d and the the clean look of everything that uh that you bring to it is is just awesome i look at your blog uh dax at at nucation.net and it's very (laughs) spartan it's very simple yeah you wouldn't believe it, but I went through about 60 different variations before I actually committed to this one. And, and it's funny that it's so simple. I can see how you end up with more things being more elaborate than that and then gradually simplify, simplify, simplify to get to this very uh, minimum that's necessary to make a blog make sense kind of look. Yeah. Um, many and, people know, probably don't know this about you, Dax, but you're also an artist, like a real artist, like as in paint and canvas and... And you do some amazing work. I've seen it. Yeah, I actually, you know, I, I, I never intended intended to become a programmer. Uh, even though I, I started doing basic when I was four years old. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not, I learned the alphabet on a, on a 128K RAM machine. Wow. Yeah, but I was actually a, a, a traditionally tra- uh, trained artist. And... I don't know, I just like this better. So, when did you start combining art with bits? Well, uh, I don't know if you guys remember uh, Kai's Power Tools. This was back in the mid-90s. Yeah, Yeah, they were the top plugins for Photoshop back then. And I was just fascinated by what that guy could do with uh, software interfaces. And yeah, I started uh, uh, trying to uh, get uh, more graphics into applications, and uh, I had always known a bit of Visual Basic back then. I started combining uh, uh, all that, yeah, yeah. VB5, I think. Wow. That was the stuff that the 
let you distort faces and make them look funny, right? Oh yeah, that's yeah. I super goo. Super goo, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and it, it occurs to me that uh, Carl and Dax are similar in the sense that you both really started out as artists. I mean, Carl in music and, and Dax in in, uh, in art, and then came together, uh, came towards technology later on. Where I've always been a geek and never done anything else. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. are the head geek in the room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, you certainly got uh, interested in the, um, you know, the look and feel of Vista and the user experience early on. In fact, uh, we did a a project together that never sort of happened, but it was the slick user interface for what was going to oh, be yeah. a Quop Catcher. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that what we what we found was, and and we just worked on this together. It was one of those things where, like, you know, three o'clock in the morning, ah, oh, I found some code. You know, we're like emailing back yeah. and forth and IMing, and uh, I had found some code to take PNG files, which have an alpha channel, and use that as a uh, uh, your form, and yeah. I basically created a form object that inherits from the form called alpha form. Mm-hmm. Where you set the background to a PNG, and of course, you know you can make PNGs transparent. So you basically, have this transparent form. The problem is that they don't respond to events, and yeah. uh, every time that you want to update a portion of it, you have to update the whole thing. Like there's no just painting a portion of the screen. You have to assemble the bitmap and memory, and then blit the whole thing. So and I remember became, you couldn't put any controls on it either. No, no controls on it. So we ended up having to skin, having to skin it. And uh, I created this little skin tool where, you know, you could identify where certain things were. And I ended up starting to write controls. And it just turned into this hairy thing that was like, oh, my God, if this ever works. <laughs> yeah, the controls you had to lay on top, like floating windows on windows kind of thing. There was no... There was no parent-child or anything. It just became ugly. And, you know, while it was updating like a progress bar or something like that, you're basically blitting over and over and over again. And, you know, the memory went through the roof. CPU was going through the roof. And we were like, this is clearly, it looks cool, but it's clearly not the way. Yeah, I don't think you could state strongly enough how nice it looked. It was amazing. Yeah. It was literally, it was a, a form that looked like it was built on a piece of crumpled metal. And it was, wasn't it? Didn't you like take a piece of metal, take a picture of it, and that became the basis of the, of the form? Yeah, actually, uh, I tore apart a piece of metal with my bare hands, uh, and yeah, scanned that in, added some graphics, and it it was made from real stuff. That's amazing. It really was cool. Now, can you do that kind of stuff now today with uh, Windows Presentation Foundation? Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's much easier because, you know, you get inbuilt uh, uh, PNG support with 32-bit transparencies. And uh, what we did with .NET 1.1, I think. We did. Oh, yeah. That was scary. It was pretty. It was awesome. Yeah. And we had we actually had uh, Glass before Windows Vista did. Right. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, it had all those drawbacks before, but it was Glass. I mean... It was transparency that moves. So you know, when you as you move the form, you would see the the transparent edges 
you know, and you could look through it and stuff. It was just like what glass is today. Yeah. I wonder if you can shoot the air with you. Yeah, you guys were ahead of your time. Should have patented the whole thing. (laughs) And I got to say, it was before anybody had seen glass. Nobody had seen pictures of glass yet. But we sort of knew that that's what was coming, the transparency stuff. I'd like to believe we inspired it. Well, maybe. You guys were certainly leading the way on some of that stuff. I don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) But meantime, things have gotten a lot easier. I mean, WPF is about these kinds of uh, uh, natural kind of UIs, less rigid UIs. Yeah. It's just, it just broke all boundaries. There's, there's practically there's nothing you can't do in this. I was just talking with Mark Miller, who's preparing some WPF talks for SD West, and he says, oh, my God, my head hurts so much. I'm looking into this stuff, and the more I get into it, the more I realize that it's going to take a long, long time to understand it all. It's very, very deep. We are really talking about a new paradigm of building UI that people still haven't fully got their head around yet. Yeah, and uh, uh, what's surprising, surprising is that there's so much in there that different types of developers or designers just uh, uh, see different parts of it. And this is one thing where you need to have a team to fully realize everything. You just, because there literally is so much that one person can't learn it all. So we've really finally carved out the space where the designer needs to live? Yeah. Yeah. Because, but WPF, uh, this is plumbing, right? I mean, th- this is not what a designer is going to use. It's plumbing. What's the tool that sits on top? Well, right now, it's expression blend. And I must say, it has to be the best uh, well, UI that Microsoft has ever built. And, uh, you know, because, of course, I'm a designer, and it's black, so I have to like it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> black like my soul. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, Microsoft is famous for building good UIs for developers. This uh-huh. is not studio, right? This is not studio. But I'm confident that parts of it will be integrated to uh, the next generation of Visual Studio. But right now, it's and this is built from the ground up specifically for designers because it gives you access to stuff in a in a way that you're used to with other applications like uh, CorelDRAW or Photoshop. So yeah, I was going to ask you: Does do the do the menus sort of are they laid out in the toolbars like Photoshop? Like if you're a Photoshop head, will you will you feel more comfortable with with this? Well, uh, no. It, it is different from these applications, but uh, uh, the, the color options and uh, some of the widgets that lets you define uh, uh, gradients and all, it's more closer to what we've seen in graphical applications than in developer tools. And, you know, back in March, um, um, March 23rd or 24th or somewhere around there, we did a, a DNR TV with Brian Noyes, who showed off uh, um, uh, expression oh, blend. Yeah. yeah, and I was just really, I was really surprised at you know when I first started looking at blend, the mm-hmm. the you know the tools and the toolbars and stuff. Being a VB guy, that's naturally where I was, what I was comparing yeah. to, and looking for the menus and property windows to be F4 and that kind of stuff, like the function keys and the menus. But once I got around that. 
I sort of got a, a roadblock at loading the code, right? Because obviously you want to make yeah. some pre-designs and then you want to load the code. But Brian showed me that if you load up the project that Blend creates in Visual Studio, then, you know, when you like double click on a control or, or go to an event, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to bring up Visual Studio yeah. and, and you can actually write the code in, you know, code behind as well. As you, yeah. And yeah. they also have the uh, events panel where you just select a control and specify uh, which event you want to edit and that will just launch uh, Visual Studio. And uh, uh, you know it's good because dev- uh, developers uh, uh, have uh, Visual Studio Professional and uh, other bigger editions, but uh, designers can also learn a little bit of code by using the Express editions, which merge very nicely with Blend. Have you ever felt envy for the new slick interfaces introduced in Windows Vista? I'm sure you want to have something similar in your apps, but unfortunately that's quite hard to achieve with Windows Forms. There is WPF, of course, but that requires you to adopt a whole new programming model. Wouldn't it be nice if you could have scaling, rotations, animations, alpha blending, complex gradients, and all that in classic Windows Forms? How cool would your application be then? Well, it's going to stand out, and it's definitely going to look nice. Stop envying and start delivering great experiences today. Telerik Rad Control Suite for WindForms offers the first Vista-style controls for Windows Forms. Pick a Vista piece of UI and try to implement it with the Telerik controls. Chances are that you can do it. Join the Telerik WindForms Challenge today to explore the controls in a fun and engaging way. The challenge is a mini quiz that shows off the unique features of the controls. In just 10 to 15 minutes, you can see how you can make your desktop apps much more appealing. And you can win a product license by simply answering five questions correctly. And everybody who completes the challenge is automatically entered into the drawing for the grand prize. Get this, a 50-inch plasma TV. Check out Telerik Rad Controls for WinForms and join the WinForms Challenge today at www.telerik.com contest. It certainly seems like Microsoft's done a great job of binding these two things together. Certainly, there's some certain com- there's common features, but the visual parts require very different controls. And I could see that developers wouldn't find them familiar at all. In fact, I've really gotten a sense from Microsoft that they don't want developers in these controls. Huh. Yeah, I guess that's why they're not releasing uh, the expression suite into uh, MSDN. Right. They really yeah. want to keep these two people apart. Well, and recognize that they're two different people with different skills. Yeah. Of course, now the hardest thing is to get these two different types of people to work together and not kill them, uh, each other. Right. <laughs> well, they can always kill each other. There's no way around that. We've been talking about Blend, but there's also uh-huh. uh, other expression products. Yes, uh, there's also Expression Web and Expression Design. What's the difference between Blend and Design? Well, uh, Design is kind of like uh, uh, a vector illustration tool, uh, which also has raster illustration uh, uh, tools inside it. And you can just uh, create graphics in it, and you can export them to XAML, and you can just use them in uh, Blend to create applications. But Blend actually allows you to create software. This just lets you create graphics. So design sounds like Adobe Illustrator, but it's got that XAML component as well. Yeah, it's actually uh, 
like Adobe Illustrator and Adobe Photoshop mixed together. Oh, interesting. Right, it's sort of yeah, like a Corel Draw in Photoshop. Corel Draw is the vector side of it. Photoshop is the raster side. It's all together, and it yeah. produces them. And it actually lets you create. You know, you can just like uh, uh, that. This part should be in vector, and this part should be in uh, a raster, and it'll just merge it seamlessly. So, Dax, when are we going to do the uh, Pop Catcher interface in uh, Blend in WPF? Oh, <laughs> actually, I. I already did that. Dude, did you really? <laughs> I actually, yeah, I, I was just sitting one day, didn't have uh, you know anything fun to do, so I just you know imported all the graphics and put it up in Blend, and it's ready. I, you know, originally it took us what about a week to get this uh, whole interface done. This time it was like what about thirty minutes. <laughs> wow, yeah. and probably a little bit more memory efficient as well. Oh yeah, much. <laughs> Yeah. What other cool things have you done recently with uh with Blend? What, you know, just style-wise? Uh well, right now, uh I'm actually trying to create a completely new kind of uh interface, uh something that could uh, potentially be patented because we are we are really used to seeing uh, toolbars and menus and all that, you know, it's time to break that. And I love it how Microsoft broke that with uh the new Office interface. And I think we really, yeah. really need to start thinking along different lines. So anything you can tell us about it, or since it's patentable, you want to be hush? Yeah, well, actually, it's, uh, it isn't uh, really that solid yet. Uh, so I've just been experimenting. Uh, nothing really, you know, groundbreaking yet. And the other projects I've been working on has been just helping other de- uh, developers, uh, uh, you know, integrate blend into their design process, into the software design process. That's pretty much, much it. I think you ought to open the Dax Pandy School of Software Design. Honest to God. <laughs> <laughs> but you bring up an important point of there's got to be a set of procedures now for that interaction back and forth between the designers and the programmers with these tools. And I think it's vital that it's two-way, that a designer can can create something, pass it to a programmer who adds some code, and it's able to come back to designer for alterations without breaking the code. That's always been my problem working in web world is I had great art guys who built beautiful art, but then as soon as they handed the programmers, they could never get it back again because they would break the code every time. Yeah. And uh, the great thing about XAML is that it's really close to the ASP.NET and CSS model where like, uh, you know, all of your visual code can reside in a CSS file and the developer can create the uh, uh, normal HTML without any formatting at all. And when you just link in the CSS, you know, it just fits into place. With this, we have uh, uh, external resource dictionaries where all the styles and templates for controls can be stored, and the uh, designer can work on it separately away from the actual code base, and then uh, you know, they send it back to the uh, uh, developers, they put it in, and it just looks completely different from a, a Windows app. And the fact that we could then go in and apply other sort of skins to it. I, I suddenly think of uh, CSS Zen Garden like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very much like that. Dax, um, back in, what was it, February, I think, or December or January, somewhere around there, you were mm-hmm. uh, involved in an event in India that was pretty prestigious. What, what was that all about? Oh, yeah. Uh, that was back in November. And uh, that was like the uh, the Indian... Uh, version of Mix 06. 
And uh, yeah, that, that was a really uh, fun event. And that was actually my first public event. And so what did you do? Steve Ballmer. I met Steve Ballmer and Bob Muglia, which was the highlight of the event for me. Wow. And yeah, and, uh, show, we showed uh, uh, the, uh, what, I even forgot the name. It was, I think it was Expression Interactive Designer. That's what Blend used to be called back then. Right. And we showed right. that off. And uh, me and uh, Deepak Gulati, uh, he's a really cool guy at Microsoft India, and we, sh- we showed how a designer and developer can work together to create an app in five minutes. Wow. And you were on stage with Palmer? Uh, almost. Almost. So he introduced <laughs> you and you came on. Yeah, sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just too great a personality for him to stand near. Nice. <laughs> well, I found the photo on your blog of you standing beside Steve Ballmer. So you've done something we've never done. You're right there in the photo with him. Oh yeah, that that was yeah, that was one of the highlights of my life. I think Steve is afraid of us, Richard. I I couldn't blame him. I'd be afraid of us too. <laughs> I'm looking at your blog now. Your blog is a different. Uh, Nucation.com is your is your company, but Nucation.net is your blog, right? Yeah, it's also nesthetic.com. Okay. And um, in your in your blog, you talk about this thing called revolutions or revoluxions or something. This yeah, is uh, revolutions. Revolutions with the UX in the middle. This is a video podcast that you've started? Yeah, it's a video podcast. And, you know, I tried writing articles, but it just didn't cut it. So, you know, I learned a lot about podcasting from you. And I thought, you know, this is it. This is the best way to do it. Yeah. And, cool. yeah, and this, uh, this is, we just released our fifth show a couple of days ago. And, yeah, it's been going great. Yeah. I actually have a very nice story for you. My co host there, Andy Ike, I'm, uh, he and I met because of DNR, because this was about a couple of months after I had done the first DNR website, and I get this email uh, from a guy saying, I'd like you to help me design my personal website. And then he wrote that, uh, I like to help people who help my favorite shows. Ah, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. And we, like uh, I've known him for a couple of years now, and... We just had a blast. We just uh, thought this would be a great opportunity to show how WPF is useful for both developers and designers and to show how they can work together. Excellent. So do you mostly focus on Blend or do you talk about all all, this, all the application suites? Uh, well, we're not exactly focusing on expression. We're just focusing on WPF. So we talk about expression Blend and the Orcus tools for Visual I Studio. I see. Wow, that's great. So you're using Camtasia? You're, you're like it's a DNR TV model? Uh, similar, but we use uh, Windows Media Encoder to capture everything. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, we publish it as WMV, so it's easier to just directly push it out. Oh, good. Awesome. And I, I, I'm sure the response has been great. These are not huge, long shows. It's not an hour here. They're, they're 10, 15, 20-minute kind of shows. Yeah, because, you know, uh, I don't think we can record more than that and not make mistakes. So we're afraid. So we have kept a uh, short show. Yeah. And your show is definitely for developers. It's WPF, but do you also 
talk to designers in the show or design developers? Who's your? Uh, everyone, everyone who has anything to do with WPS. We even have uh, some Mac guys coming in uh, to watch the show, and we actually had a surprising uh, response from the Mac community and the Flash community, and all of these people are interested in what WPS can do for them. Wow, that's awesome. Now, Flash community, I immediately think of WPFE. Yeah. And that's shipping now, right? WPFE? Or is it still in beta? No, it's not even beta. It's still one of the early CTPs. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, I think it'll take some more time before it's actually really powerful. Really get a grip on what it's going to do for us. Yeah, because right now the biggest issue is there is no CLR support. You have to write JavaScript. Yeah, because that's the, true. The way, yeah, they've, the way they've been talk, uh, talking about it since the last PDC was that, like, you know, you, uh, uh, you kind of assume that uh, you could write C-sharp or VB code uh, and have it run online with this WPF front-end, but uh, it, it has been significantly scaled down from what they showed earlier. There's no 3D support yet. And uh, I think it'll take a bit more, I guess, a couple of more versions before it's, before it's really powerful. Who knows? Maybe uh, when they release the beta, it, it, it will be more powerful. Well, they've kept it nice and small. I think it downloads like a megabyte. Yeah, that, that's amazing. The, uh, the only challenge <laughs> now is that if you start depending on the CLR, you still deal with the issue of getting the CLR to the client machine, and not everybody's running the CLR yet. Yeah, and you know they're also uh, they also want to make it that uh, WPFE, which is like what the uh, Windows Presentation Foundation, everywhere to actually be everywhere. They already have Mac support, and I think they're trying to get uh, Linux support as well. So uh, you know you have to actually port the CLR to uh, those operating systems as well. Yeah, that would be pretty tough work to do. Yep. Yeah, maybe you know something like uh, 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 the compact. The framework, maybe something like that on other systems, that would be cool. Do you think we're going to see WPFE tools the same way that we've got Blend for WPF? Uh, no, my guess is that they will integrate WPFE uh, projects inside Blend. Oh, I guess that makes sense. That you would then certain features would work, certain features would not work, but you'd be able to extract a subset out that would run in WPFE. Yeah, right now, what uh, uh, a common WPFE project workflow, workflow with me would be that I would create the project in uh, as a normal WPF project in Blend, and then just you know cut uh, and paste the code into a WPE project in Visual Studio. Here's a question for you. Um, I know that Glass doesn't only runs on Vista, and uh, but y- y- w- without Glass, can you still get transparent PNG support? Oh yeah. So what is glass then? Is something monstrous uh, in scope? In scope, it's actually very nice, and uh, you know it's directly linked to the. Uh, uh, I, I forgot the name of the uh, module in Windows in the OS that uh, that it's part of. I think the desktop manager. Or uh, the desktop window manager, yeah, the w, uh, the DWM, and uh, using it for all 3D stuff that's built in the right uh, core, and 
it's, it uh, really depends on some of these big things. So it can't be ported back to uh, Windows XP and all. But the basic uh, functions of WPF can be ported, uh, actually automatically work on Windows uh, XP and all. So you can use that there. Yeah, I'm, I'm still vague on it. I'm, I'm not sure like what the experience part of it is that will not translate to XP. Like what can you do in glass on Vista that you can't do in, I'm talking from a user interface perspective, that you can't right. do on so, XP. Yeah, well, glass and transparency are totally different things. Okay. Glass is what Windows uh, itself provides. So basically you would just see, uh, set a region and mark it as uh, render as glass. And uh, Windows itself will render that as glass. You have no control over it. Uh, you know, how it would render. You just define where, and that's it. With transparency, you have uh, absolute control. But you you, you were doing um, sort of the refraction stuff with transparency in PNG files that look just like glass. So yeah. if you can do it in WPF... What's the what's the big deal? You know, I think you bring up the the sort of key point. WPF runs on XP, so how come Glass doesn't? Right, and, and if you can do what you can do in Glass in WPF, what do you need Glass for? Right. And meantime, oh, I've got this tablet PC that's running Vista, but it won't run Glass because it hasn't oh, got yeah. the good enough video card for it. Yeah, that's the problem I have with my tablet PC as well. Right. So does the yeah, performance it, thing, like if you do it in WPF... Uh, it's going to take up more resources because... Uh, well, yeah, I think it's about... Uh, uh, the issue here is uh, full-screen rendering because I don't think that GDI Plus is powerful enough to put that off. The, yeah, this uh, was the uh, whole point in Vista was we're finally replacing the GDI with a better yeah. video rendering engine that uses those high-powered video cards properly. I'm sorry, I'm still right. confused. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> we know that GDI doesn't pull it off, but WPF does, so... Well, but it's not w just WPF that does it, because WPF, because it runs in XP, means it will work with GDI. It'll use the card or it'll not use the card. But built into Vista is this lower-level video driver that depends on a high-end video card. Otherwise, it disables those features. Exactly. Because uh, it, uh, I think uh, it, it uses the uh, Pixel Shader 2.0 model. And the hardware has to have that to enable Glass. So, right. uh, I see. So And they had to write a whole different layer, I think, for uh, uh, Windows Vista to have it uh, you know, work properly with the, uh, with the OS. So, and, uh, yeah. so let me try to boil this down. So if you're running WPF on XP, you're going to get a performance hit because the CPU is doing the work. On Vista, no. however, the GD, the the graphics card GPU is doing the work. Is that what uh, you're saying? I think WPF runs will use a video card if it's there, just like DirectX will. And if it doesn't, it'll mm -hmm. execute itself. Yeah, uh, actually, you know, there is no performance hit on uh, on previous operating systems because uh, it won't use GDI. It will directly use the graphics card if it's there. All right. So again, my question: but, uh, Why do now, we need glass? Glass, <laughs> glass is well, I, if nothing else. I think Microsoft wants people to upgrade to Vista, so that's why they're not giving glass on XP. Okay. <laughs> How cynical is that? Okay. So it's uh, so it, uh, still don't have an answer. We'll we'll have to 
find out. Maybe, you know, maybe this isn't a question for Dax. Maybe this is a question for somebody on the on the you know the Arrow team. Yeah, further you know, further defend down yourself. The path. I do man. think that I do think that Vista has brought s- certain key elements to using video in a different way, and Glass depends on that. And I okay. think Vista uses uh, Vista doesn't have GDA plus. It directly uses WPF to render stuff for everything. Yeah, right. Because you know one of the coolest things is the uh, uh, you see that pop up thumbnail on the taskbar. Yes, it shows you the live preview of everything, and that's uh, uh, that's from using a, 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 an object called a view box or a visual brush. In uh, yeah, a view box. Sorry, yeah, view box. WPF. It lets you do that in your own applications. You can just point to this area on the screen. It will just uh, uh, you know uh, uh, have a, show a live thumbnail of that place. Hmm. And it you can use cool. the same thing for reflections. So you know, if you have a, a text box and you want you show a reflection of it using a view box, when you type something in, you uh, you know, there's a reflection with that. Uh, 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 rendered right then and there. You know, .NET Rocks would not even be possible today if it weren't for the great support of our first sponsor, Data Dynamics. And their product is the one that we really love, Active Reports for .NET. It's easy to use. It's powerful. You just create the reports. You put them right in your assemblies, and you ship them with your code. They have uh, HTML and PDF support. They've got an excellent access upsizing wizard so that you can get your access reports into active reports for .NET. Uh, works for Windows Forms, works with ASP.NET. It's easy, and it just works. And best of all, it won't break the bank. And that's what we love about Data Dynamics. Data Dynamics has got a lot of other great tools, too. And you should check them out. Please check them out at datadynamics.com. Hey uh, Dax, let's let's talk about a little bit about our website engine that we've built. Um, you oh, and I, we sort of put I put together a content manager, a back end, mm-hmm. and and you put together um, a web framework that uses uh, uh, master pages and uh, you know user controls and really nice mm-hmm. nice way to to build a new website that does podcasts like .netrocks.com or Blue Pizza. Or or anybody else, You're, we're doing talking Java now. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about that yeah. a little bit. It, it, it is great. You know, we did this back in uh, uh, it is ASP.NET one point one, yep. and uh, you know, yeah. So you know, we already had all the uh, uh, the backend working very nicely, and uh, we didn't have master pages back then. But it was still with user controls. I kind of fit it into. Uh, you know, an easy way to just drag and drop stuff, and you can easily create a, 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 a podcast website. But ASP.NET 2.0, it's you know, it's just great. I, I think I put together, uh, I think it was Rory's website. I, I put that together in 25 minutes. Yeah, it really didn't take long. Yeah. And of course, then we keep getting all the, uh, uh, you know, keep keep refining and adding and. Adding store procedures and taking some old stuff out, and then we have it yeah. down to a science now. Yeah. It's, it's well, we're seeing a demonstration of that as we're putting together Run As Radio. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have the uh, the whole back end technology for the new show. You've worked out the graphics. It's, it's coming, mm-hmm. It comes together very quickly with all these tools. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So let's get into WPF just a little bit, Dax. Um, 
being, uh, you know, uh, schooled in the Charles Petzold uh, school of bitmap manipulation and all that kind of stuff, you know, uh -huh. that's that's where I understand um, things, and probably a lot of Windows developers understand that. What is the fundamental paradigm shift that we have to uh, undertake in order to really understand WPF? Well, uh, you know, uh, one of the major mistakes that people are making with WPF right now is that they're trying to use it just like they would a Windows form designer. Like, you just create the UI, double-click the button, write the code. But now it's important to actually really put all of your code in objects and in business objects to separate the layers and let the designer work with the visual part of it and you do the logic in a separate process completely and then you link it together. You know, I've always thought that with WPF coming along the line, eventually we just end up with a set of WPF controls in studio and that would be that. We wouldn't have to think about it anymore, but it sure sounds like that's not what's going to happen. Mm, I'm not sure I understood that. Well, Richard, the there are a set of... There's two ways to do this. You can use Blend, and you can just use Visual Studio. Visual Studio has a whole new set of controls and tools for WPFE, or for WPF. When you, you can start a new WPF project, and you have a form just like a Windows form, and you have controls just like Windows controls, but they're 100% WPF. But they look like yeah. original Windows controls. They do look like original Windows controls. Exactly. And, and there are companies out there that are making WPF controls, Infragistics, Telerik, um, a whole bunch of companies that are doing it. Yeah. So, I think XC just came out with a free uh, data grid thing. That's right. They, they have a data grid because nobody else has a data grid. The, the, the yeah. WPF yeah. Actually, suite. Yeah. Actually, use that, and it's nice. And no offense to these great guys who created a great control, but I think it's time to kill the grid. Not yeah. the grid, just the whole grid. Let the grid uh, die. <laughs> let the grid die. I know. It's, it's making developers lazy because they just bind it to a data source, and they think their job is done. Right it's now, true. a big thing is UX, and it's, it's uh, uh, you know everybody's saying UX now, but uh, it's surprising how few actually understand it. It's about making things easier for the user, and nobody used to spend too much time or money uh, uh, in their uh, application development cycle to focus on user experience of not only about how the application should look, but how it would behave. I agree. I think the thing we're up against here is I remember reading in great detail Windows forms and controls design guidelines for how I was supposed to build my app to be, you know, Microsoft-like. It was all about being like Office, Wasn't that really. Virginia Howlett who did that I book? Don't, I, I couldn't tell you. But where's that book for WPF? I think Dax should write it. He should. <laughs> in his spare time. You know, but, yeah, of course. Very few people pay attention to that, and I don't think anyone even read it for Windows 98. They started paying attention after XP when things got colorful. And with Vista, Vista uh, yeah, they have a really strong set of guidelines, and they tell you how to create an application to make, to make it look better and function better. There's also, it goes so deep that it tells you, you know, what's the proper tone of uh, uh, writing uh, in your applications. You know, I got it. I've always had this split personality when it comes to user interface because on the one hand some of the most productive applications are those where there's no mouse involved and you just memorize the keystrokes and you know like the old DOS character mode things 
you have keystrokes. You're like, click this key, boom, 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 enter your thing, press enter. You press another key, and people could fly on those programs because they were all, all typing, all keyboard. And yeah. now with the mouse, I mean, how it's painful to use wizards, you know, because it's just like click, 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 yes, click, and you feel like an <laughs> automaton. Um, and so, but people think that wizards are the end all be all of user experience. There's just some yeah. applications that require users to uh, memorize things and get proficient at things so that they can actually go fast and be productive. And I don't see yeah. like, you know, um, some, the, the other half of me says, yes, but it can't be intimidating. They got to learn how to use it. Maybe the user experience stuff is all in the training of how to use these just more um, productive interfaces that are less, that have less clutter in them. Yeah. And this is actually where a designer comes in. And, you know, for this, you can't use uh, just uh, your regular designer. Uh, he or she has to be trained in user experience and sometimes even uh, psychology because that really helps. Uh, you, you need to know how a typical end user will think. And that's something that, uh, you know, a, a developer is just too close to the application to have an unbiased opinion. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, they should, uh, a designer and developer, they could just sit together and design on, like, you know, the developer could say, these are my requirements, and the designer can take that and uh, apply a proper user experience talent to it and create something that is easy for the user. And uh, did this perfectly with the new uh, applications. Because it took away so much that was there and uh, they repackaged it into this easier-to-access model. Yeah. And that's pure UX. I had this idea a while ago, Dax, I don't know if you remember, about being able to turn user interface elements on and off as you became more comfortable with the user interface. Huh. And that was just... Um, an expression of my sort of split personality, as I mentioned before, between, you know, trying to help the user understand how to use the program, how to use the mm -hmm. application on one hand and make it accessible. And on the other hand, not get in their way when they really know what they're doing and they want to be able to just use it. And uh, I remember Alan Cooper saying something like, um, you know, people should use an application like they drive a car. You know, mm. you want to just be able to get into it and, and and just drive it. And, you know, the thought is, well, uh, you know, uh, somebody who's never driven a car before just can't get into a car and drive it. They have to yeah. be trained on how to drive it. You know what I mean? And yeah. while it's got a great interface for those who know how to drive... For those who don't know how to drive, it's going to be, it could be absolutely dangerous, right? Let's face it. Yeah. Well, and yeah. still falling on Cooper's thinking, there was also this idea that there's different roles. You know, a car is very much, and using Cooper's terminology, a sovereign app. It's your sole focus while you're operating. Right. It, where the radio in the car is one of those little secondary things. And you don't want training on the radio. You ought to be able to figure it out. Sure. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. the, the reason everybody knows how to use a radio is because they all have a on button and a play button and a search button. You know, I mean, there are certain standard features that uh, that they that all radios have. 
Uh, yeah. And there are certain standard features that all applications have. And th- this is true. Yeah. I mean, then it didn't, it wasn't mandated. It's just that when you go to build an application, you say, well, what do people already know? What do they expect? What are they going to look for? Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's one of the key questions that uh, uh, an, uh, an interactive designer would uh, have. You know, like, how do you create something unique? That uh, you know that nobody has seen before, but is still intuitive enough that they can just assume that you know this will work like this, and when they try it, it would. And the question, the answer to that is obviously it's going to depend on the application. Um, exactly. I'm sorry, but I think uh, a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, ha- mm-hmm. is the best interface for the kind of work that you need to do in an, in a spreadsheet. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't do spreadsheet work with amorphous graphics and lava lamps and you know what i'm saying yeah you need to you need to to have a sort of exact be able to go exactly where you want to go and do exactly what you need to do yeah yeah afraid there's always going to be a grid control in a spreadsheet yeah (laughs) well you know if if you try to do uh, uh, some uh, if you try to create a spreadsheet in html in front page or any you know in any application with specific reverity uh, and just you know, it, it won't work like that. So right. yeah, it comes down to you know, uh, every application would have a different solution. So that's uh, that's good. I'm glad people are thinking like that. I mean, you know, it's very easy to look at an application that you know exists and and you know sort of urinate all over it and say, well, you know, yeah. this is like old school, blah blah blah, and. We need yeah. to bring this into the, you know, there are some applications that, you know, it's going to be very difficult to break out of the, the standard mm-hmm. user interface. But to get back to an idea I had earlier, um, mm-hmm. I the first time I used Flash, which uh-huh. is a, a pretty complex product, I took the, uh, I, I did the, 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 what you would call it, the training that's built into the application. Uh-huh. Like the first time I ran it, it said, hey, would you like me to show you how to use this thing? And it uh-huh. did this interactive sort of uh, demo where you're actually using, mm-hmm. it's telling you what to do and you're actually using the product to do things and, and it's guiding mm-hmm. you through it. And I yeah. I sat through this thing for about an hour and a half and I became like completely proficient at Flash. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, this is really what it's all about, isn't it? It's not about, I mean... Do we really expect people to come up to a complex piece of software that's going to do something like save a person's life or, you know, calculate the gross domestic product or something like that and, and expect them to just figure it out? Do you do that yeah. with, with driving? No, you go to driving school. So so maybe it's the interactive built-in kind of training stuff. And I can imagine, like, you know, the screen going dark and a little spotlight going over the places where – you know, people want to, to to concentrate on and look at and and just have these yeah. nice sort of interactive uh, graphical tutorials in software. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of stuff is going to make the difference between what people use and what they say, huh? Yeah. To. And, and, and yeah. with that kind of tutorial, you can actually have a more complex user interface that requires people to, to remember keystrokes and do things. But once they get through that on the other side they can be a lot more productive yeah but you know the, uh, 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 creating ideas for new user interfaces has never been a problem you know yeah. because anyone could uh, you know uh, uh, take a pen and paper and just draw something and it would be cool 
the thing was actually implementing it because you yeah. know before dot net it was it was really hard yeah. and you had to fall back on uh, using c++ because nothing else would cut it with dot net it was easier but it still wasn't easy enough with uh, wpf you have this supremely flexible model for uh, creating your own controls or editing controls where you know just uh, a couple of days ago uh, a couple of days ago i one of my clients had this huge grid with uh, lots of data. And again, I wanted to kill the grid. Yeah. So yeah. I just uh, I took the entire grid data and laid it out uh, 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 as, as a set of labels. There's like, I think, eight different labels. And uh, they, were, uh, they also had graphics next to them. And I just put that all inside a toolkit. So when you hover inside over the list... Inside a tooltip. Okay. And that's the beauty of this because, you know, you just take a button and you write, uh, 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 in example, you just write button.tooltip and then whatever you put inside that will appear as a tooltip. You can just put anything. You can put video. You can put, uh, <laughs> you know, a, 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 another button inside a button's tooltip. Yeah. Wow, that's and cool. Yeah. And, of course, everything is animatable. So you can just, you know, uh, switch on uh, timeline recording in Blend, and anything you do will be recorded. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, and you suddenly get the realization, we now have a tool set coming to us that is going to have multiple paradigms of control suites, as opposed yeah. to what we got right now, which is one. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. And, you know, doing, doing graphical things with custom-created objects was just you know, uh, terrible in .NET before uh, WPF came along. Yeah, because really I had was. this application about, uh, uh, I have like, uh, oh, here's an interesting fact about my company because just last week we published our 100th billionth pixel. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I actually built an app to count all the JPEG and PNG and GIF files that we had actually published. <laughs> And it ran for about seven hours, and it gave me the account. And uh, Dax, so, I've never met anyone else who counts the number of pixels they've produced. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, so you know, I had an application that uh, manages all these pixels for me. It, it was a custom asset manager uh, I created in .NET, which uses my own image format, and. Uh, you know, I, I always wanted to put in zoom in it, so I could just zoom in on the small 16 by 16 pixel graphics that I had. Now, I had to write about 600 lines of code for that in .NET 2.0. And that was terrible. It still didn't work nicely. It was just passable. And along comes WPS, and I was able to do that without writing code. Hmm. I just created a, a, you know, a, a render transform which, like, you know, anything, you, you can apply it to any controller object, and I just created a grid, put in all the graphics that I had in there, uh, and I applied the render transform to that grid. I attached it uh, to a slider, so, you know, it just takes the zoom value from the slider, and I did not write a single line of code. It was done through UI. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, Dax, it's, uh, um, congratulations on finally... Being a guest on our show, it's uh, we've been oh, enjoying yeah. your work from afar for a long, long time, yeah. and uh, we're still enjoying it. 
I'm looking forward to seeing where Revolutions goes. I mean, you're really addressing a whole set of topics I don't know a whole bunch about. I'm going to be fascinated to see what, what comes next. Yeah, we're hoping to, uh, you know, cover just about everything in WPF. And from both designer and developer perspective, uh, everyone can benefit from it. Excellent. We'll keep rocking, Dax. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Dax. And we'll see you next time on .NET Labs. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm